When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Band Biographies podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of music-based podcasts. Visit Pantheon.com to search through a plethora of different kinds of podcasts on different kinds of music. There's a show on there for everyone. On this episode, I chat to David Green, drummer in US pop-punk band Moonraker, who have been a unit since 2011, releasing numerous singles and EPs, as well as three full-length albums. The most recent of which, The Forest, was released in May 2022. To celebrate the anniversary of this album, and to get us ready for new music, Moonraker has released a video for the song I Really Wanted To, where the band face off against another team in a deadly game of Whirlyball. No, me neither. But we talk about Whirlyball in detail, as well as David's musical inspirations, what's wrong with a certain retiring punk band, secret hotel room vandalism, why pop music is benefiting from going punk, and much more. You can find Moonraker on Instagram and Twitter at MoonrakerPunks with an X, Facebook.com slash Moonraker, and Bandcamp at Moonraker.Bandcamp.com, as well as on all the streaming platforms and YouTube. Please do let me know what you thought of the episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review, as well as a five-star rating, of course, or on social media. It'd be great if you could share this episode far and wide as well, and if you could let the band know you heard of them through this podcast. But without further ado, here's my interview with David Green of Moonraker. David Green from Moonraker, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, secondly, also thanks to Mike Hubilos from um, Earshot Media as well for setting this up. He's become my go-to guy at the moment. He's uh, providing a lot of awesome content at the moment. So yeah, he seems, he seems to be a lot of people's go-to guy. He's, he's real cool. <laughs> he must be the busiest guy, the busiest he, PR guy in the yeah, world. Yeah, he's, 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 doing, he's doing what's up, you know? He's, he's cool. 
<laughs> um so yeah uh just to kind of start off with i tend to before we get into the band and your career and all that kind of thing um i tend to go back to the beginning to find out a little bit about you and what got you here so yeah david i mean what was the first song that you remember hearing that made you think i i think i could do that i'd like to try and make music my my thing my career perhaps Man, that's being super generous with like how I thought about anything when I was a kid. <laughs> like, I, I think I think that that probably is like the underlined of what I probably was feeling. But I never thought that. Like, like as a, it was, it wasn't like I heard this song that I fell in love with and was like, I want to do that. It was more like, uh, this that that song sounds cool and it makes me feel good kind of a thing you know it was never like i don't know it just sort of kept happening and happening until it was happening i never really was able to like uh put anything into into words like that you know fair enough no that's cool so what was what was the first single or album that you bought with your own money then in that case and i'm hoping to undercut any kind of punk credibility that you have with this oh question. i i don't have any credibility um so no, so basically, um, when when I was a kid, my neighbor uh had like this older sit like we were in elementary school and she was in high school and she was like really cool. So she always had like cool like cassette tapes that she would have recorded from like the radio. So we would mm-hmm. listen to stuff like that. So it would have been stuff like you know '90s alternative like Hey Jealousy and and stuff like that, which uh, I still love, still love that song. <laughs> um, honestly, the first the first record I ever bought was Dookie. Um by green day uh which again not to undercut your undercutting of my punk credibility was probably (laughs) bought in the same week as like third eye blind and like you know whatever like sugar a or (laughs) whatever else was going on (laughs) at the time uh but you know i still am wildly in love with dookie I think it's an incredible record and what? it changed my life. The thing <laughs> you know? with it is it was it, the thing as well is it's popular as well, right? Like it was everywhere. Yeah. Like Absolutely. So. And that's that's definitely it was like I definitely had no cred. It was not like a underground thing. I knew it because it was on television. I knew it because it was on the radio. I did not know Kerplunk because I was like six or eight or whatever however old I was, you know. It was like it was I was a child. Um I, I I kind of um I just watched a lot of television as a kid. So like Comedy Central would play just reruns of Saturday Night Live for like hours, like every day. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and I would just watch that and like basically whoever was the musical guest on that particular rerun of SNL, I kinda would like become aware of and and yeah, whatever, you know, I watched a lot of a lot of MTV, a lot of VH1, a lot of just a lot of television. So whatever whatever 90s alternative radio and television was telling me to like, I, I probably liked for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So from your neighbor's older sister, I mean, like, were you hanging out? Were you kind of trading tapes and that kind of thing as well? Or, or was it just... Oh, again, that's giving me way more credit of knowing how to use any sort of <laughs> tape recorder when I was a kid. No, it was basically if she was driving us somewhere like to school or something and she had like a tape going on and it was like, you know, like, I don't know, Bad Habit by the Offspring and then like that bridge comes in with like all of those curse words and you're like oh my god this rules am i allowed to be listening to this (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great and um was drums always your instrument or or did you start on something else and and go to drums 
Uh, drums, drums was always what I played. It was never, uh, never anything else. I can, I could sort of, uh, get around on a keyboard, but not really. Like I don't have like the, the 10 finger dexterity to do that. <laughs> I can, I can like, kind of like type it out with like my index fingers if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always got a, a fascination with drummers because it's, um, it's one of those things you need to completely disconnect each limb individually to be able to do something completely different. And it's like, I've never been able to pat my head and rub my stomach as well. So like, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. <laughs> when did you start? Uh I was 9. Right. Yeah, I was I was young. I uh again, there was no ulterior motive or anything. Like a lot of people I know like start playing guitar like in junior high or high school cuz they want to be in a band or whatever. I just I have no idea what I was thinking I wanted to do <laughs> with playing drums. It was just sort of something I wanted to do. Um because everything else, like as a kid, you know, like you're kind of forced to do a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. and I knew I didn't care for any of the other things that I was, you know, uh, very bad at like little league and, and et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was asked to leave the boy scouts cause I kept falling asleep in all the meetings and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was very much like a, I need to stop doing these things that I'm being made to do. And uh, for some reason that was the one thing I wanted to do. So, right. right. Okay. So did you start like with lessons or, or were you completely kind of, you know, just playing along to whatever you had on the, at home? Uh, no, I got, I, I took lessons for like a really long time. <laughs> mm. Right, right. So you're properly trained, anyway. So yeah, I, I, and yeah. I yeah, I went to like music college and everything too. I'm oh like, wow, okay. I'm like cool. t- I'm like too trained. <laughs> Right, right, right. Okay. That's interesting. Cause like some people pick things up because they just want to kind of have a go, but clearly yeah. this was, I mean, uh, so going to music college, what was the impetus for that? Was it that you wanted by that point, did you decided that like music was going to be the career that you wanted to follow? Yeah, it, it was definitely that. But again, more than that, it was that I didn't know what else I was going to do. And I didn't really kind of have a thought about what I was, you know, it's like, I don't know, in school and stuff, like, especially like when you're a kid, like, they always ask you what you want to be when you're when you grow up. And I never that was it never even occurred to me to have that. Like, it's like, I, I did not know what I was going to do. I didn't have really a goal, but I eventually it was like, well, of course I'm going to do this because it's the the only thing I, I like and it's the only constant thing I've been doing. But before it even like occurred to me that it could be a thing, it was just more like, well, my parents have made it abundantly clear that I need to go to college and I have never considered that in my four years in high school i did not take the classes or the seriousness that it would have uh, required me to go to regular college and uh but i can play these drums pretty okay you know maybe let's look into that you know (laughs) so um were you in bands at that point had you kind of joined any bands in high school yeah I, i played in bands like all through high school and and yeah Pretty much since I was like 14 or 15, 13. I don't know. I've, I've been playing in bands since I was in like junior high. Mm. I've always found drummers are the ones who are always in most demand because it's uh, <laughs> the biggest instrument to lug around and not many right, people. Yeah. Not many people have the understanding parents, I guess, that you must have had. You know? Yes. Luckily, my mom had a minivan, so it was easier to move stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it definitely helped me uh figure out who i who i was being able to to play with people and and do that in school and was it always kind of punk bands or were you playing different styles of music and and you know what what kind of styles were they 
Uh, well, the bands that I personally was in were always punk bands. I, I played in like like the school band forever. Like I, I was in like marching band and jazz band and concert band. So I, I, I you know, I, I can play other styles. I, you know, I'm, again, like you said, I, I hate to use like, you know, like air quotes, classically trained or whatever, but I, I can do other stuff if I needed to, yeah, but yeah. I, I, do, <laughs> I don't particularly like to. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, any, any of my personal bands were all always some form of a, a punk band. Uh, the early ones were mostly shitty covers, but you know. Oh yeah. We've all played in one of those. Um, <laughs> so who, who were your kind of influences then? I mean, you've obviously, you were talking about Dookie and Green Day and the offspring being particular kind of highlights when you were young. Like, did you continue down that kind of, uh, I want to say pop punk vein, but like where, where, yeah, where did yeah. your musical journey take you? Well, I, again, I still love Green Day, uh, quite a bit. Uh, they're, they're, just fantastic yeah um yeah no i mean i i was in love with no effects when i was young and for a long time after i was young <laughs> you know, I, I that that was like a band that really uh made a, a huge difference on just the way i kind of looked at stuff um and uh yeah you know, bad religion obviously uh i still uh am obsessed with bad religion i can't uh I, I mean, me and Nick from, from our band, we, we kind of talk about like, we, we kind of see the world through like bad religion colored lenses, you know, <laughs> like anything we do is going to have like a, a tinge of that involved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see you've got a couple of the posters up in the background. You've got the bad yeah, religion crossbuster yeah, right <laughs> and anti-flag right. as well. Yes. So love anti-flag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the Trinity for me as well. Like anti-flag, bad religion and no effects are like, the three that I tend to go to if I'm listening to that kind of music. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm from Southern California. So that kind of <laughs> played a little bit of a part too. like, you know, you can't, you know, you can't listen to punk in, in, in LA and, and listen to like the radio and like not see the crossbuster anywhere. And sure. And <laughs> plus it's just cool. It's just a really cool logo. It is. Yeah. And it's instantly kind of, it's almost iconic really, isn't it? I mean, Oh yeah. Big time. It's just, distilled this is this is what you don't even need to know the band is called bad religion to know the band is called bad religion when you see that <laughs> and no effects as well i mean um how, how are you feeling about them calling it a day and doing all their uh their farewell <laughs> tours i uh again i i kind of stressed a little bit uh, i like i loved them so much when i was younger and i still really like them because i loved them so much but i have not been the biggest no effects fan in the last decade uh, <laughs> like okay. it's, it i i think you know i don't want to like be shit talking <laughs> no effects or anything <laughs> uh, although i don't think they have like beyonce level fans that are gonna like come after me <laughs> so i think we're all pretty aware of how no effects sounds live recently and uh yeah i i think it's okay uh that they that they're they're you know although i think the last record was 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 way better than the one before it i'll say yes. that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. lots of people complained about that double record and i think um, double record is so much better single single album is oh album, unlistenable yeah. unlistenable yeah. it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what they were thinking it almost but, feels to me like 
they've they they're winding it up because they've got no ideas left almost dude know? i could go all day about <laughs> what i think happened on single album in that band recently but i don't think we have enough time right now but i, I could <laughs> i'd love to get into it but uh no i think i think yeah it's probably i mean the fact that they're recite i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> so uh what was the first band you saw live anyway I mean, that's, being again, in that area of the being in that yeah area. that's that's a that's again i i usually have a really good memory but like i think just it just all blends together at this point like i don't really have like a great answer to that question like who's the first band because like i like my mom was a um like a middle school uh choir director so i kind of grew up going to see like her like school performances and stuff and like i was always like kind of taken to like like concerts in the park kind of stuff and like so like or like because I was interested in music, I was like, you know, like relatives or whatever would always like want to take me to like see stuff that like they were into or they thought I was into and then like started going to like local shows and stuff. So I really don't have like a pinpoint first like real band or or even like band that I don't even remember. Like I, I can't really uh, remember the the first one. <laughs> it's difficult, especially like local live shows and stuff, uh, but like big bands, I suppose. I don't know, like mine stick, mine stuck in my head because I had to leave school. I had to make up an excuse That's to leave cool. school with one of my classmates, and it was Newfound Glory. That's awesome. Supported by Finch, who I'd never oh, wow. heard of, and it okay. was the first time I'd heard them, and they they blew Newfound Glory away. It was oh um, wow, and then like that first album of Finch's as well, like the EP and the first album are just outstanding. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I definitely had a, a an experience like that where uh, with no effects actually. Me and me and my friend Jeff, we we left school early. It was uh, Wolves was coming out, Wolves and Wolves Clothing, but it yeah. it was I think the Never Trust a Hippie EP had just come out and Wolves was about to come out and they were doing all of these secret shows in L.A. Like they did like a like a MySpace secret show like at okay. the Roxy and they were they were they were playing a secret show at the Whiskey a Go Go in L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we left school early like at lunch. And we like drove to LA because we're like, you know, 40 minutes away. And uh, we <laughs> we waited. The line was already like wrapped around the building. And like we just waited there for like hours and it started raining and we still couldn't get in. It was like a whole oh, thing. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Like, I don't know whether it happens anymore where you are, but I remember going to gigs up in London, you know, places like the Brixton Academy or the uh, Kentish Town Forum and having to queue around the block for gigs. Yeah. And it seems like oh, that, it happens still. Does it? Uh, it <laughs> yeah. seems like I don't know whether there are fast passes and stuff now, but it just doesn't seem. <laughs> oh, that would last, be so cool. Because <laughs> um, over here, a lot of the venues like the Brixton Academy um, are owned by O2, the um, cell phone operator. And if you if you're an O2 customer, you get to skip the queue. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, like a lot of like bands of a certain tier do that. Uh, it's kind of like a I don't know. I kind of feel like it's like an obvious cash grab or whatever where you do like the 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 vip package or whatever oh, where you get to come in and watch sound check or whatever or like you know like there's always some sort of ridiculous piece of merch that you get to that's like but you're, you end up paying like double at the end of everything and yeah there is that uh but uh i'm i'm never doing that no <laughs> so i think it's a bit of a yeah i'm, I'm not down with that personally <laughs> <laughs> so what who would you say is the best band you've ever seen live then who's your favorite band to go and watch it's either bad religion or the descendants like the they are they 
you don't think again like talking about no effects and like you know you're going to see these dudes in their 50s and and they just show up and they're like oh we're probably not going to be that good live and that yeah. maybe <laughs> that maybe used to be the grift like they would tell you they're not going to be good live and then they're all of a sudden really good but yeah. that hasn't been really going on but like you watch bad religion and they just come out there and they're just like the oldest men you've ever seen and they just rip it up like like nothing like it's just like and the descendants are just the best band in the world like it's just like the four best people that have ever done their thing and they just go up there and they're like 60 and they just kill it so hard and it's just uh unfair to anybody um uh a wilhelm scream uh are obviously incredible live uh that that's a little different i can't even fathom like that so like there's like you know like there's stuff with like like I can I can learn how to play bad religion songs like that new Wilhelm scream record I can't even air drum to you know some some people are just too fast it's almost like they re- <laughs> they record it at some speed and then crank it up by three or something you know totally yeah. but yeah no I'm off to see Rancid next week and hell yeah I'm really looking forward to that because I haven't been able to I haven't, I haven't caught them live yet so oh man that's awesome <laughs> that is going to be so good. Yeah, because the new album that dropped last week yeah. is, is incredible. It's one of their best ones for years. Tomorrow Never Comes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I was listening to it uh, yesterday. Yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, also there's a they're being supported by a band from over here called Grade 2, who are kind of Britain's answer to Rancid, I guess. Like, Okay, they're, I don't think I've heard them, but I've seen their name on like Dying Scene, I think. Yeah, they. Um, I think they're supporting Rancid over there at whatever couple of shows they're playing I can't remember where they're playing over there. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. 
Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But, uh, yeah, they're on Hellcat. And cool. you can you can kind of hear the Tim Armstrong hand. Because, like, they started out as a kind of quite brash, oi punk band. Oh, yeah. And now they've got this, like, they've got these melodies and you can hear the bassist being a little bit more Matt Freeman. <laughs> and, cool. uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they're, they're like, it's almost like they're getting ready, the successors almost, you know. Oh, yeah, because you said you play bass, man. You love Matt Freeman. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I can't. He's so good. I, I can't do any of those. Uh, like, <laughs> some of them I can keep up with, but there are some where I just like, how many fingers does this guy have? Dude, on like Rancid 2000 where <laughs> yeah. he's just like unchained like yeah. he's like uh, like like axiom and young al capone just going for it yeah it's unbelievable because awesome. <laughs> you're like well i don't even know where the root is on any of this it doesn't make any sense to me at all like where are you starting yeah it's like did he ending? did he like pour like like wd-40 all over his strings <laughs> to be able to like slide quickly on everything <laughs> yeah no he's incredible so i'm really looking forward to seeing him play live so when did Moonraker come around? Let's get on to the main, the main thing. Let's stop talking Boom. about me. Let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been around for at least 2014, right? Because you got the string thing, uh, string, theory string theory. Yeah, the, the the EP was in 2014. Yeah, yeah, we started playing in 2011, but I would. It was a different animal. <laughs> it, was, it didn't look or really sound like it does now. I think 2014 was sort of when it kind of clicked into to what we were trying to to do now was mm. was around then but yeah me me and nick started playing in moonraker in 2011 yeah okay and um because i i love some of the um the song titles from your from your albums as well stuff like back from the dead assholes and this is <laughs> the shark week of our discontent as well which i really like <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you uh i was really proud of that title <laughs> i i appreciate a witty title and uh <laughs> the, there are quite a few of those throughout your kind of back catalog so did you guys get together over an appreciation of of bands like no effects and uh and bad religion and, and that lot we did you set uh, out to kind of play music inspired by or no, that was not actually. I mean, that's definitely how me and Nick became friends for sure. But uh, it, again, we had different people in the band at that time, and there was definitely a different mission. Like again, that's always my favorite music. But I, I you know, I like a bunch of other. You know, I'm, I'm not strictly just like a epitaph fat SoCal fuck. I know I'm, I've been mostly just listed stuff like that. But like, no, um, we. So I met Nick like a year or two before uh, we started the band and we we were playing in other bands and uh, it was quickly kind of like known to both of us that were like, oh, that guy is into this stuff that I'm into and we should be friends. And like, so like our two bands became like really good friends and we like would play shows together. But then me and Nick would like also just be like hanging out a lot uh, outside of band stuff. And when both of our bands ended up breaking up um, and I was... Uh, I mean, me and uh, this guy, Matt uh, Battaglia, uh, who was. He was like sort of in my my previous band, but like it was like sort of like our bass player had left uh, to go to school and he was like filling in on bass in our band. So he was playing all those shows with Nick's band. So we all knew each other and we worked at this music store together and we were we were starting Moonraker and we needed a bass player. And I was like, well, 
I think it has to be Nick <laughs> like that. But like it was he was more of like a kind of like melodic hardcore guy, uh, Matt. And uh, it was definitely, I think, his intention and mine. And like we, you know, like to, to kind of be more of like a strike anywhere type band that did not end up happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mostly because I'm just not a, a political person. Like uh, I, I don't follow a lot of stuff. And I, I, I it would be unbelievable uh, if I was up there writing uh, cool fist in the air uh, politics songs. <laughs> it just uh, wouldn't wouldn't make sense. Yeah, there are some bands that can do that and some bands that can't. And yeah, unless I, I always feel like unless you're really, unless you really know your stuff and are actively political. Yeah, that that bit. was sort of <laughs> that was sort of that vibe. And then eventually, when he wasn't in the band anymore, and and we were kind of cycling through guitar players and stuff, and then it was like it was always going to sound like kind of alkaline trio influence. There was never going to be. <laughs> I feel like that was like. It was never going to not be that. It just sort of didn't start that way. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, like, two of the bands that I definitely put down as, like, what I can hear elements in there is No Effects and Descendants. So um, I'm, I'm li- I've got my ears tuned right by the sounds of it. <laughs> they're, they're fantastic, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, over the years, I mean, have you... I assume, like, you all have day jobs, yeah, but like, well, so, some of us do. Some of us do. I, right. <laughs> I I don't currently have a. a I've been. I drive Uber Eats, but mm. it's like that's sort of like a win I do or when it's not. I wouldn't. I don't, I'm not like proactive enough with it for it to be like an actual <laughs> job. Like, so how does how does that kind of thing like? Because obviously, like you say, you've been going since 2011. You found your sound in like 2014. Do you go out on? tours of the state of the uh, of a region of the u.s like to to a lot of britons the u.s seems like a massive (laughs) like almost incomprehensible thing to kind of figure out how smaller bands get started and yeah we so when we first start when we first started like we we completely did it backwards like like the first tour we ever did was to florida to go to the fest just to attend it it was like Cause like all our bands before this was way more regional stuff. Like, like kind of like, like NorCal kind of like uh, Northern California, like West coast kind of runs or like regional Southwest kind of Nevada, Arizona kind of loop things, yeah. which again is just a smarter thing to do. But we were, you know, we're like, well, we've definitely toured before and you know, like the fest lineup looks amazing. We should probably book this national tour just to go watch these bands we like <laughs> and uh and then midway through the booking it was like oh yeah I, i've never booked a national tour before <laughs> I've, I've booked shows in arizona so um, how, how how do you figure that you all just get in a van and and go yeah that's that's how it, that's how it was it was yeah. get in the van and go it's, and that and that was pretty much still how it is it's, it, it's a little bit more uh smart now it's a little bit more like you pick the places you know aren't going to be total busts and you pick the the times when you know it's like it's like i don't know if we really need to be going out in the dead of winter again but i've done like so many canadian tours in january and february it's like why did we do that (laughs) so how many tours do you do have you have you been on then is it like once once an album cycle thing or is it just yeah i 
it's it depends on what's happening uh with everyone's jobs and with everyone's lives and with with the the when the records coming out and stuff but like last year we did like a west coast run and we did kind of like a like a loop around the like kind of midwest south kind of area and we we went uh we were actually in bristol last summer for uh the booze cruise festival and that was really cool and we're uh everyone's got their their jobs going and and working on on that but we're we're setting a bunch of stuff up for the fall uh mm-hmm. we're playing fast again so that'll be cool we, we've got some some stuff around that and probably before and after uh and yeah we're just kind of gearing up uh for for like for the fall and plans for next year and stuff but we 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 do it when we can and 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 we try to be able to you know as much like uh nick and matt their jobs are both remote so if if they needed to work from from the road they can Mm. um that makes it a hell of a lot easier doesn't it (laughs) yeah it's just about the planning it's like maybe we can't do like if it's like a day that they're they're supposed to be working it can't be like a seven hour drive It, it has to be more of like a either we're in the town that we're going to play or like a couple hours away so they can like, you know, spend the day doing their jobs and then we can drive to the show kind of. A yeah. Thing. Yeah. Fair play. And so how does, how does songwriting happen? Is it, is there one person in the band who kind of leads that area or do you all have like, do you bring an idea in and then everyone works on it together or how? how yeah. I think, work? I think it's, I think it can be both. Um, It's, it's more along. there's usually one person kind of steering it. But but all of us are 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 putting our our fingerprints on it, like kind of a thing. So whether it's like Nick has like like a cool idea for like a like a melody, mm. or like Matt has a cool riff, or like I have like lyrics or something. Like it, it usually kind of like someone is showing someone something, and then the other people are like, oh, you know, it would be cool for that. This or yeah, it, it's it's usually not the three of us like in a room plugged in with our gear and be like, all right, anyone have any ideas? And then everyone just sits there not having any ideas. You know, it's, it's usually you gotta, someone has to come with an idea. Otherwise we're wasting everyone's time. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I think the three piece for me, it's the easiest way to do things. It's the fewest amount of people that you need, generally speaking yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. kind of make the, <laughs> to make the right noise is the most perfect amount of people to actually organize into like getting together for a practice. Exactly. It's the, it's, it's the least amount of schedules you have to deal with. It's the, the most room. If you're shoving everybody into a van, it's, uh, but also I think it's like, there's not too many ideas floating about and there aren't too many egos getting in the way as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know about you. I've, I've been in bands where, one person is the songwriter and you play the song how they wrote it and there's very little deviation right yeah 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 i'm david ruffin and these are the temptations <laughs> yeah exactly that but i've also been like the the bands that i'm in uh currently are all quite democratic like everyone gets their say and actually i think that's a better environment to be in where this, yeah. you know you bring in the idea of a song and you're not quite a hundred percent sure on how to finish it, and then you got two other people's ideas coming in, and often, in fact, almost always, it uh, it makes a better song. I think in the end. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, you know, I I have like an idea of what I think something should sound like, but like it always is better when it's not one hundred percent what I thought it should be because like I was probably wrong and 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 nick and matt were probably right and it's like 
Yeah, it's like, ideally you want it to not be like a like it's not a compromise, it's a collaboration, right? Like you want you want it to be a true like we no one's like oh, I guess we'll do it your way this time. Like you want it to be like no, of course, you know, it should be this I'll bring I'll bring these ingredients, you bring those ingredients. So it's like you want it to be a collaboration and not like a begrudging compromise kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, your most recent album, The Forest, has been out for a little over a year. Yeah. And to celebrate the fact that it's been out a year, you released a video for the song I Really Wanted To. Yes. Firstly, what the hell is Whirly Ball? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Whirly the video ball. and I still don't understand. It looks like go-karting meets lacrosse. It's something like that. Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> uh, it's a... Uh, uh, my friend Tyler Colton, uh, who plays in this band Goodbye Viking, um, he he used to tour as our guitar player. Uh, he when he was with us and we would go on tour, he kind of introduced us to this this game, uh, and they only really have it in certain parts of of America. Like they have it in Fort Worth, Texas, where we shot the video. They have it in mm-hmm. Chicago. They have it in Atlanta. They have it like in like little pockets. So whenever we're on tour, like we try real hard to 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 get a game in and it's it's bumper cars meets lacrosse meets drunk driving is <laughs> what it is you're like you're in a bumper car that you steer with like a little like crank like a joist like have you ever been in like a bumper boat yeah like yeah. that's that's sort of the control system it's not like a steering wheel like a like a regular bumper car um so you're in this car uh with your your little like joystick and then you have like a little plastic uh, scoop and there's like a wiffle ball bouncing around. And then there's two backboards for like basketballs, but there's no nets. So the point is to try to to get your wiffle ball onto the backboard um, before the other team, you know, stops you. Um, and mostly it's, you know, used for children's parties or um, like the one in Texas is, is kind of like a family fun center. The one in Chicago is more of like a upscale, like hipster bowling alley type place like right. they have like couches instead of chairs and like the yeah. balls look like big uh pool balls and stuff um and that's mostly used for like team building exercises for like companies like they'll bring like all their employees there and it's supposed to like teach them to like oh pass the ball to your to your coworker, and that way in in the office you'll you'll like be a team and we just go in there and get shit faced and like you're you know we just yell at them like from the side, like you're not even crashing into each other. What are you doing? You're doing it all wrong. And like, and then we go in there and just like, just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> so it is a regular thing that you do when you're on tour, when you can, when we can. And when we're in the, in the right spot, we we're making it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, I also enjoyed the score line at the end of your game. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any Bill and Ted fans out there? Yeah, that was my uh, note. I was like that should that should be the score. <laughs> um and who were who were the other guys that in the opposing team? So, um my friend Matt uh Cyphers directed the video and um those were just uh one of them uh, was was our friend Aaron Dowd. He uh he's he's awesome. He used to he used to play drums in in a band called Not Half Bad and uh he he plays drums and bands in texas and stuff mm. and the other two guys were just uh friends of matt's that he uh had come down to help us out <laughs> they meet fun. they meet a kind of grisly end as well it's that's right well that's, worth what, that's what you get <laughs> <laughs> um so how good are, how good at the game are you guys in real life <laughs> if you're well i um, suppose if you're drunk <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah exactly we're 
we're pretty good, but also not as good as we think we are. Like, but like, it was very funny because like Nick showed up to the shoot. Like, we were like in the in the room, and he like had bought a couple of of uh, of his own whirly ball like rackets. Oh. So we're like we're like that's because like we didn't want to ruin any of theirs. Uh, so like the one that obviously in the video he uh, you could see him taping a switchblade to. <laughs> so we're like, well, we shouldn't you know do that so we were like kind of like fooling around with his rackets just like talking about shots for the video like before we went to the shoot like kind of passing this ball back and forth like not paying attention and like we're like catching we're like are we like accidentally really good at this but like no we're not we we care more about like uh it being funny than we do about like sportsmanship you know (laughs) and is that kind of the way that you approach a lot of things like as a band is it is it fun fun not not saying that you're not professional about what you do but like is it first and foremost fun because it seems to be like the the songs are all quite like i say that they've got that kind of no effects slightly kind of tongue-in-cheek and and the 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 song titles and stuff like that you know kind of leads you to believe that maybe it's uh it's it's (laughs) it's good it's good fun being in moonraker i i think it's it's a lot of fun being in moonraker i i you know, I've never, I've never not been. Well, I mean, I have, but like, I've never, I've never been in in not Moonraker since Moonraker was around. Sure. So, like, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't know if it would be different <laughs> or whatever. But uh, other bands probably have a lot of fun too. Uh, we we tend to try to have a lot of fun. It's it's serious. We take it very serious sometimes to the detriment of like you know our mental health. Sometimes <laughs> it is very important and and serious. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, you, I don't know, we're, we take, we take, sometimes we take not taking it serious, very seriously, mm. if that makes sense. Like it's yeah. gotta be, we played a show in uh, Omaha, Nebraska one time and this guy showed up to the show and he was like going on about like how the last time we were in town, he was very excited to come see us, but he ended up getting arrested and having to go to like jail. <laughs> and he said he was more bummed that he missed our show than he was about being in jail that night and then he's he's i was like that's weird and he was like no but you know you guys you guys have this way about like you know like you're going through hard stuff but you're not taking it serious to like not give the hard stuff the upper hand i'm like yeah that's you know again i i'm so bad about like thinking forward about stuff like this and that is correct that was my feeling when we were writing those songs i just never like you know wrote down the mission statement you know into the ether or anything it was just sort of the back of my head but yeah it is more about like life's kicking your ass sometimes and you can't let life smile while it's doing it so you have to kind of not take it seriously to make life not feel as good about it Mm because it's it's going to be kicking your ass regardless but if if it sees you crying and then it's then it's going to be smiling about it. So you kind of have to be like, oh, cool, you're just going to keep kicking me. Cool, fuck you. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's a good outlook to have. And so, is there anything else that you guys do when you're on tour, for example, to keep it light? Because I know that touring can be a slog. Yeah, I mean, we have we have all sorts. Of, uh, so we do this <laughs> we do this thing where uh, anytime uh, we stay in a hotel, uh, we. Uh, we take the paintings off the walls of the hotel and and draw penises on the wall and then put the painting back up. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> yeah. And over the years, <laughs> it's just evolved into, at first it was just like, let's just draw the biggest penis we could draw. And then it turned into like, okay, well, what is the penis wearing? Okay. <laughs> what, what is, what movie is this referencing? Is the penis dressed up like Pulp Fiction is like, you know, that kind of a thing. So it, it's definitely gotten to more of that to the point where now it's, uh, I've, Trying to, I'm trying to get enough uh, pictures of these to like make like a coffee table book. Is the goal? <laughs> I was going to ask if you documented them in any way. Well, at first we didn't. At first we were just doing it. So there's like a bunch of missed opportunities for that. But uh, eventually we started like, oh yeah, let's take pictures of these too. And then like you know over the years like it's like the you know like the paintings are bolted down. They're bolted to the wall. So we like got a special wrench to be able to <laughs> unbolt the paintings. <laughs> so all over America and Canada, there are... Yeah, and, and we did it in England. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when were you last in England? Uh, last last summer, we, we, were, we played the, uh, the Bristol Booze Cruise Festival. So, <laughs> so somewhere in Bristol, there is a hotel room with a penis behind one of the pictures, if not all of them. Yeah, it's actually three penises. It's one that looks like Queen Elizabeth, and she's got two guards next to her. <laughs> <laughs> that's ingenious i like that a lot that feels like a crime where no one gets hurt <laughs> exactly because like what what's gonna happen like unless they like took the paintings off after the people that checked in before us and mm -hmm. they took them off after we left they're not going to be able to know it was us it could have been literally anybody <laughs> and the only time they're taking those paintings off is when they're going to repaint the wall or put new wallpaper up anyway so they were already gonna it, it, it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> victim, victimless crime i like the idea of uh it becoming the next kind of banksy kind of thing no one knows who's yeah exactly doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah kind of getting back to the video like how long did it take to shoot? I can imagine it was quite a uh, a grueling shoot, really, because uh... it, it it was a it was a it was a day. Uh, we we shot it because um, we had to rent the court for a few hours, and they were so cool about giving us a bunch of extra time. Mm. Like we showed up early, like when we didn't have the 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 booking for the court, and like kind of like well, we spent the whole day kind of getting everything ready, like getting all the props ready getting all like the like okay we'll do it for this shot we, you know like trying to figure out exactly what we were going to do we got there kind of early to kind of like set up what we needed to set up and then we had i think we had the court for three hours which we ate through the first half of like so quick like like an hour and a half went by like 10 minutes when we were doing that and then they, they ended up giving us like two extra hours for free which was was super cool of them considering we were real drunk and like we're yeah there was like weapons and like fake blood and stuff going on <laughs> it feels like there should have been an insurance company involved somewhere yeah they they were they were really cool uh <laughs> so what was the uh what was the thinking about making a video for a song that's essentially a year old i mean is it just kind of uh, you know feeding the algorithm if you like or is it that like in preparation for new material from moonraker I think it's a little bit of both. I never, I definitely wouldn't say anything gross like feeding the algorithm <laughs> or anything. Um, but it was, it was more along the lines of like, um, we were doing another, like we put out a video a few months ago, um, before that, uh, for our song, My First Rodeo. Mm. And that was sort of one that, um, our friend Matt, who directed, uh, both of those, uh, he kind of had put together, 
uh, that on his own. Like we we had like a party at my house like last year, and he he threw it was actually a baby shower. <laughs> it was hilarious, um, uh, which you would never think it was uh, after uh, all those shots of uh, super soakers full of whiskey being shot in everyone's <laughs> face. But he was just filming us partying, and then he sh- he sent us essentially that video like set to that song uh, and we're like yo this this is just a video we could film us playing and, and insert it into that and that's just a video kind of a thing and he lives in texas and it was kind of just an excuse to go kind of hang out with him but also like we had like three quarters of a video kind of just sitting there anyway so we're like why don't we go over there? We'll get in a practice space. He can film us playing. We'll put that in the video. Hmm. But if we're there, why don't we do some? Because we knew the one year anniversary of the record was coming up. So we, we did want to do something kind of fun for that. Because like the record means a lot to us. And we wanted to keep kind of like kind of putting it in front of people. And like we thought that it being out for a year was a good, good, uh, good reason to kind of celebrate it. And yeah, so we we're like, we're going out there anyway. We'll film two videos. So we filmed one on Friday and one on Saturday. And, okay. Uh, yeah, and 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 we're we're you know working on there's there's new stuff coming. So it was it it it's it's a little bit of everything, but it was mostly like we're super proud of the record and we wanted to kind of keep you know, it's 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 fun. It was a fun idea and and we really liked that song. So it was like kind of a a reason to kind of like maybe introduce that song to some people that hadn't heard the record and yeah. Yeah. And like I said, the album itself uh, The Forest is great. I mean, uh thank you you can hear the progression with each album you know with the with the production methods and uh songwriting and everything and um yeah really enjoyed it but i don't know whether you found because i i don't suppose like you're saying the algorithm doesn't come into your thought process at all it's yeah, something... what about neo <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just one of these things it's like it seems to be you either release a song or an ep every month or two or you wait a couple of years to release a full album. I just, I don't know whether it's, I don't know which one is the right, the right way to do things, you know? Um, Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be art. Right. And like, when you talk about algorithms and stuff, that's very not art, right. That's very like, kind of like pointed, you know, capitalism, consumerism. That's very like numbers oriented, literally. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of just supposed to be art. It is supposed to be heard by people also though. So I I do understand that, but we're just, we've never been like one of those bands that's like, you know, algorithm first and you know, whatever, whatever makes sense businessly, you know, makes more sense than, than the art of it. Like we're trying real hard to, to be, to be big goons over here, but like underneath it, we are also trying to be artists, you know? And that's the proper answer, I think, to that. I think anything being made for the algorithm is not being made with artistic integrity in mind. It's uh, yeah, it's being made. It's being machine tools to because you hear all this stuff about like, oh, you've got to get to the chorus within three seconds of the track starting, and you're like, three seconds? It's something what? like that. Like there, there are there are there are various rules and it's like you don't three start seconds a, yeah you don't start <laughs> if you if you haven't caught people within the first eight seconds of a song being played then they could quite easily skip it and it's like well if people's attention span is that short i don't want them listening to my music anyway again i i think <laughs> i think people are a little bit better than the distilled you know thing that that people say people are like and i yeah 
what you can't three seconds till the chorus like then like how many times are you doing your chorus you gotta do like five choruses in that song if you're opening with it and like i don't want the song to be longer than three three and a half minutes and that's that's like a billion choruses and that will lose your attention what do you tell three seconds yeah it's nuts isn't it <laughs> it feels like a lot of pop music is going back almost towards a kind of 1950s and 60s thing where like if you think about all those kind of motown groups and the Beatles and stuff a lot of it is just like one chord like for example hard day's night it's just like clang it's been a heart it goes straight into it that does know? go into the chorus there yes that's that and uh, but all that the songs all seconds. the songs are less than 2 minutes long and i think that's yeah that seems to be where pop music oh my is god going if your if your like... song is 4 minutes long you better have a really good reason for it being 4 minutes long man if i see if i see the length of your song before i hear the song i'm like already against it you know it's like you got a lot of uphill working to do to to make me like on board with this long song um no it's 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 interesting because like there's people that turn their nose up at like you know like 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 modern punk kind of needs to sound more like modern pop production where it's like okay mm. it needs to have more beats in it like more fake drums more kind of synth more kind of like you know kind of pop sensibility and stuff but if you look at like modern pop music everyone is like trying to like be inspired by punk fashion and everyone's mm. trying to like so if pop people are trying to kind of be like you know like and then also yeah obviously like with travis barker like being like the go-to you know hip-hop producer or whatever yeah. so like when you have like willow smith up there trying to be pop punk like why is pop punk trying to be you know mainstream pop if 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 it's if it's one hand feeding the other and like talking about like oh well guitars shouldn't sound like guitars because that makes it sound dated and no one really likes that sound but if you like like I read a statistic about like certain hip hop songs and if like the, if the rap song doesn't have like a live, like kind of like guitar and like kind of like band in it, it, it statistically doesn't do as well. Like really? as, as one that that's just like kind of the beat. And I could be talking out of my ass here, but I, I did read that where it was like something where it's like the live, the live instrumentation on top of the, the, the beats and stuff kind of, kind of help that in a way that it doesn't if it's not. So it's like, I don't know why everyone is like busting their balls and like, you know, turning their nose up at like, you know, a traditional, like, Oh, this has drums and bass and guitar. And that is the the instrumentation of it. There's no, no eight Oh eights. Yeah. I feel it's a little bit of people trying to find a kind of shortcut to success, right. which in this case is numbers, obviously, yeah. um, you know, download numbers, streaming numbers, whatever. And yeah, like you say, like I've read that thing about three seconds, eight seconds, whatever it is. You've read that thing about hip hop and like real instrumentation, but there isn't a formula to good music. Good music is just good music, no. right? Like, and it's it's played by people who give a shit and uh, with heart. Absolutely. I but, no. And I think I think that always kind of like you can smell that mm. on, if if the song was written uh, without it. I think you could. It, it's pretty clear when it was when it was bullshit and when it wasn't. Yeah, so. I mean, going back to the kind of Willow Smiths and uh, mod some type stuff, <laughs> where you're like, that's nah, <laughs> it's it's not it's not. Yeah, punk. exactly. It's you're trying to look same. punk, but you're not. Uh, yeah, and it's like basically Travis Barker's entire label. <laughs> exactly yeah it's like you know well they certainly do better than we do hey but... look he's, he's he's got he's got a thing going on and it's doing him very well indeed you know so uh more power to him i guess but it's just yeah it's not really for me <laughs> no yeah yeah same 
So um, you said you were playing Fest later on this year again. Have you yes. played there before? Obviously, you went there first off. You, you made a <laughs> tour just to go there. And uh, how, how many times have you played that festival? Um, this will be Moonraker's third time uh, playing as Moonraker at the Fest. We, me and Nick uh, filled in on drums and bass for Not Half Bad in 2016. Okay. And then one time we played like we we were there and there was like kind of like a show going on, but it wasn't a fest show, but it was like at a venue in Gainesville next to a couple of the fest. But, you know, like, so like but that wasn't us playing fest. That was us playing a show in Gainesville during fest. Yeah. Um, at like a laser tag place. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> but this this will be the third year that that we're playing that Moonraker is playing uh the fest. Mm. So I'm I'm. Couldn't be more excited and, and proud about it. I, I, it's, it's my favorite thing. It, it just makes me feel like a person, you know. Just, <laughs> just. <laughs> and and what, what is it about fest? Like, how, what's the setup? Is it a bunch of venues playing all through the day, or is it a festival site with multiple stages? What's the setup? So there's, there's, yeah, it's, it's downtown Gainesville, Florida. So there's, it's like a college town. So there's bars and venues kind of everywhere, and it's, it's. All day. It, uh, the first day usually starts around five. Second day starts probably around eleven, uh, and it's just third day same thing. Third day starts like a little later because everyone's a little hungover. So like it will usually start around one, and it'll probably be acousticy kind of starting to like kind of ease everyone back into it. Um, but it's yeah, it's bars all over town. You, the wristband gets you into all the shows. I mean, if the venue's not at capacity, so. Mm. If you you know you might have to wait in a line for a second till the the changeover between bands, uh, and there's like you know like a, an outdoor main stage, kind of like a, a festival style like you know outdoor main stage, and then there's a couple other kind of bigger venues, but then there's like all sorts of small bars and like you know stage in a park, and and you just you just like walking around and uh, everyone's there. There's um, a big football game that happens. Uh, like it's like I don't remember what the other team is, but the the school that's in Gainesville, uh, it's like a big rivalry game and everyone right. from the school leaves the town that weekend to go to this football game and then we all come in. So it's sort of like everyone everyone walking the streets there is uh is just cool. You just you just you yeah. just know you're in like the right place. Until night on Saturday because it's usually it's usually Halloween weekend. So like at a certain point on Saturday night you're competing with like like the clubs, you know, it's like college, you know, Halloween style and then and, and and that gets a little, uh, you know, just trying to walk to this venue. You know? Four o'clock in the morning must get really interesting around there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when it all kicks out. That sounds like um, how Slam Dunk over here started off, where it was like a bunch of venues in uh, Leeds kind of did music and you, you went around to each individual place, but there was a main stage in a park somewhere. And now it's become this thing where it's like a multi-stage festival site in two locations in the UK. I think they've just gone out into Italy and France as well. They're doing wow. it this year. So like they've really kind of, because there's a Pooza Fest as well up in Canada, isn't there? Pooza, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've played that a few times too. It's the same It's the same vibe. It's just in Montreal. Yeah. Mm, they sound like really cool uh, events to go and see. It, sound, it seems like you've got everything from like really, really well-known bands to quite absolutely small. yeah yeah they kind of, of run yeah. the gamut kind of thing it's great i can't say enough good things about the fest or about Pusa fest they're both incredible organizations and um you know just m downtown montreal is so cool just to be able to like walk around and, and see stuff and like gainesville so cool so it's like different reasons <laughs> mm, different climates as well i'd imagine <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> 
So uh, are you playing any other kind of big, big shows, big festivals this year as well? Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about it. Nothing, nothing's on the books yet uh, announced, um, but, but we're talking about some stuff and we, we have some, some stuff happening in the fall. So we'll be, we'll be, we'll be out and about uh, doing some things and we're, we're, yeah, uh, we're working on, on some ideas We're we're meeting up in a couple weeks to, to maybe uh, try to get some, get some gears going about maybe writing some songs. So that'll be, that'll be cool. And, but yeah, there, yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll be announcing some stuff. Okay. Cause that was going to be my next thing. What was next? What you know, wh- wh- when, when are we starting kind of new material and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, I think there's, th- there's definitely going to be some music coming out, uh, before fast. Um, it's not announced yet, but, uh, they'll, we're there, there will be some new Moonraker music coming out, uh, this year. And we're, I don't know, man, it's, you know, I don't know how long things take, but, uh, we're gonna, we're, we're, we have, we have some ideas kicking around and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're having a writing summit in, in a couple weeks and we're gonna, we're gonna try to flush out some, uh, some of these new song ideas and, and, and see how long that takes. But we have, we have some stuff coming out in the fall and there'll probably be some stuff next year. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm not, I'm trying not to be like vague or anything. It's not like. <laughs> I mean, like, there we're we're gonna try to write a record. It'll probably be written by next year and recorded next year, so it probably isn't coming out next year. But we will have some stuff coming out next year, hopefully. So, and what, what record company is it that you're on? Uh, right now, uh, Bipolar Records. Uh, there's Damon who runs it. Super cool. Uh, they they're super cool. We the the forest was put out by a, a conglomerate of uh, of labels. Yeah, well, that um, was the thing because there's about four different companies. Yeah, there, and I was like, which yeah. Know? Well, so so we were on Tiny Dragon uh, Music. They they were kind of our home. It was our buddies Adam and Drew, and later Adam was 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 kind of not involved, and it was just Drew just really holding it down. Um, and they put out our record Lanterns, and then we were doing the forest, and Drew was talking about how some of his last releases, he called them NASCAR releases because of all the logos that were on them <laughs> and like how, you know, you get more eyes involved or whatever. So like, and we, we wanted, we wanted a, a European label attached to it. Cause we knew we were, we were going over there and uh, yeah. So bearded punk was cool enough to, to help out with that. And they, mm. they're just great. And uh, yeah, Damon jumped on with bipolar and uh, our friend Tommy with no time out here. And it, it was great. I, I, I loved that experience. Tiny dragon ended up stopping. They're like, they're not doing it anymore. And no time is, is predominantly more of like a kind of like a crust punk, kind of like a, like a leftover cracked style, you know, kind of more like, kind of like that kind of music. And, yeah. Uh, right. So, you know, I mean, they're great. They, they did the cassettes for, for lanterns and, and they did the forest obviously. And, okay. and, they're they're buds of ours but yeah uh right right now uh we're riding hard for bipolar and and uh i mean we're not like there's no contracts with anybody it's like we're 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 free agents you know but Mm. but we're we're bipolar team bipolar you know that's that's more than likely going to be the one that releases the next material whatever that was going to be yeah (laughs) yeah cool um and any any plans to come back over to the uk oh man i i tell me when and i'll be there i <laughs> yes uh we're gonna i would love to come back next year that would that would be ideally if we could come back next year and do some stuff i just had a uh flight case made for my bass drum pedal so i'm ready to to use that and see what's up uh 
yeah, no, we, we, we would love to, we had the best time over there and, uh, yes, I'd, uh, I'd love to get back to the UK. I'd, we would love to go to mainland Europe if we could. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're going to, we're going to see what happens. We're going to, we're going to try to write some songs, uh, in the next few weeks and months and, and, uh, see what our schedules are looking like, but yeah, we're going to get into it next year and, and ideally, uh, would love to come back to the UK. Cool, cool. And so just before I kind of wind it up, what um what bands or acts are you listening to right now? Like what what are your go-tos at the moment? <laughs> well, uh it, it's always Alkaline Trio and it's always the Lawrence Arms. Uh those those are in heavy rotation. I'm heartbroken. Uh Derek just announced he was leaving Alkaline Trio, so I don't I don't know what's gonna happen there. Uh Derek's like my favorite drummer, so I don't know what's gonna what's going to shake up there. I don't know who they're going to get. I mean, I would like it to be Adam Willard. Uh, mm. I think, I think he makes sense uh, a lot from like a standpoint of, uh, again, I could go on for a while about why it should be Adam Willard and, uh, <laughs> or me, you know, they should, they should just get me. Put your hand up. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> Been listening to a lot of that new gaslight anthem song. I really like positive no, I charge. Think I've heard that yet. Yeah. It's they, they dropped a song like a month ago. Okay. It's, it's really good. Uh, I really like that. I've been listening to a lot of less than Jake recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, really liking that. Uh, also again, not punk, but, uh, punk people like it. I've been really liking the boy genius record. I really okay. like it. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I basically do this to kind of feel out things that I should be listening to. So, uh, I'm going to take <laughs> that away and let you know what I think. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing as well, have you toured with bands like, I don't know, on the same level as say an Alkaline Trio, a Less Than Jake, those kinds of bands? No. Have you ever <laughs> like have you ever met any of these guys and been pleasantly surprised, should we say? You know, it's it's funny because I was gonna be like, Well, we absolutely have never toured with anyone that big, but like I do kind of have stories about meeting people from all of those bands and uh yes and no uh like they're like uh, uh i don't know any of them i i have had a lot of email correspondence with Vinny, who used to play drums in in less than jake i i uh i met matt skiba one time at a show uh <laughs> i got very drunk one time at a at a house party in in hollywood with neil and brendan from the lawrence Arts, oh, but wow. i wouldn't consider i wouldn't consider any any kind of like substantial like i don't have any stories about anybody being an asshole or like the best guy in the world. I am on the outside of all of that. (laughs) It's just, you know, sometimes you, you get on these, uh, you you get on a date with bands that, you know, you've, you've listened to for years and uh, yeah, sometimes like, I I don't know. We're we're definitely, definitely not on that level. We've played, you know, with, with bands a couple levels down that are still several above us, you know, like that kind of thing. (laughs) And I mean, like even through this, I've met some people that whose music I've listened to for years and I'm always pleasantly surprised that they're not assholes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's really cool when people don't suck. It's great. It's, it's, it's (laughs) as well as like music and stuff. What about films or books or whatever? Do you do, what are you watching or reading? Oh man. Dude, I I mean, I wish I read more. I um I wish I had time. I wish I had the focus. I I'm very behind. I read a lot of comic books, but I'm very behind on on that kind of stuff because I've also been kind of broke. But I keep buying books with the intention to read them. Uh 
and Matt from our band uh, bought a, bought me and Nick a copy of a book that he was reading because he was like, we're going to do this together as a band. We're, we're going to read this book. And I was like, yes. And I'm two chapters in and it's been like three months. <laughs> um, but no, I watch I watch a lot of television. I watch a lot of movies and I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I just saw Spider-Verse. It's great. Right? Loved it. It's so good. I cannot wait for the third one. I just, it, it just made, at the end of it, I was just like, yes, it didn't even feel like two and a half hours. It's like, give me more of this. Give me two and a half more I right now. I forgot until go. the last five minutes of the film that it was the first part of a two-part thing. Yeah, I, it was originally supposed to be part like, one. And, oh, wait, and, hold on. Yeah, because yeah, it's been on for ages. And now how are they going to wrap this up in the last... <laughs> I felt the same way. I forgot about that. And then uh, similarly, but differently, when I watched Fast X, and it also ends in a similar way, I was like, <laughs> fuck you. That, that was, I was so ready for that movie. And it was, it was so bad. <laughs> I, I haven't watched a fast film since six or seven. I like them. Gotcha. They're fun. I think, I think that six and seven rule i think that once they put the team together the second half of five is sort of where it, it becomes good for me uh i really like eight and nine i think they're so dumb and so awesome and i love that the rules of gravity and <laughs> physics don't apply i think it's cool uh fast x was horse shit <laughs> um, so you're not looking forward to fast x2 or whatever it's gonna be oh no i'm yeah. very much of looking course forward to it. <laughs> It's just no expectations. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, fast no expectations. Um, but yeah, I just finished uh, a bunch of a lot of TV. I, I just finished uh, the last season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I liked the way it ended. Just finished uh, Ted Lasso. And and yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching a bunch of shows. Uh, I don't know, uh, Clone High. Do you know that I've show? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It's it's back. Uh, it, it was it was like a one season animated show on MTV in like two thousand two, right. uh, and uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, who they did the Spider Verse yeah. movie, and they 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 did uh, Twenty One Jump Street and all like it, they they did it with Bill Lawrence from Scrubs. Ah, and so Lasso. it's gonna be good then. And uh, right. yeah, it's a, it the the revival season is is back right now. So I've been kind of watching that and. Yeah, I, I watch. I watch. You know, watch Jeopardy every day. <laughs> watch, I'm, I'm always watching TV, man. <laughs> but it's the best way to kind of lo lose yourself a little bit, like uh, free the gray matter. You don't have to think too much about Absolutely. these things, and you never know. You get a, you get an idea sometimes. You know. Oh yeah, no, exactly. I, I watch TV like people read books. Like I'm not. I'm not doing it to 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 kind of tune out. I'm usually pretty paying attention to uh, what I'm what I'm doing. <laughs> cool. Well. David, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed talking to you, man. Th yeah, thank you for having me. This this was really fun. And uh, when you do make arrangements to come over to the UK, I'll definitely make sure to come and see you. Hell yeah. What, what part are you in? I'm just outside of London in the southeast. Okay, so awesome. A little way from Bristol, but I could make it there fairly easily. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll do something in London too so <laughs> awesome brilliant thank you so much man um i'm gonna stop recording but don't go anywhere just yet cool there you go what a fun chat right i hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did having it we stuck around for a while afterwards chatting about various things including how to possibly get moonraker over to the uk so keep your eyes out for future gigs over here as long as I can call in a few favours. 
What a lovely guy David is. I hoped this would be a fun interview because their music and videos are full of humour, as well as serious issues of course, and he didn't disappoint. Again, you can find Moonraker on Instagram and Twitter at MoonrakerPunks with an X, Facebook.com slash Moonraker, and on Bandcamp at Moonraker.Bandcamp.com, as well as on all the streaming platforms and YouTube, of course. Thank you very much for listening, especially to the hardcore of you who listen all the way to the end. Please do share the show and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. But more than anything else, look after yourselves. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Band Biographies. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.